Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to know that your longing for us is greater than our faith, that your grace greater than our fears and our failings, that even if we choose to run away from you, you run faster towards us that you're always for us, always willing and always able, always desiring the best for us beyond what we could imagine or dare ask. Lord, we're so grateful. Amen. Please be seated. What's your greatest fear? Someone said to me they reckon that the Port Adelaide footballers, their greatest fear at the moment is their disappointed fans. Maybe Geelong footballers are feeling the same thing as well after their effort on Friday night. What is your greatest fear? Well, I went to Dr Google to see if there's kind of like a common list and it looks like there is put together, I assume, by researchers and psychologists that have looked at kind of uh, the fears that transcend kind of you know, people groups and age and all those things. And there's this list that keeps coming up on Google of 10 things. Social phobias. There's a group of social phobias. Fear of open spaces. Agoraphobia. Fear of heights. Fear of flying. We don't have to worry so much about that now while uh, tourism is closed down. Fear of enclosed spaces. Fear of insects, creepy crawlies when you go to sleep at night that they might... You know, might wake up and they're all over your face. Fear of snakes. Don't have to worry about that in New Zealand or England. Fear of dogs. Fear of storms. Fear of needles. Not a good one to have if uh, in the current circumstances we find ourselves in. Do you relate to any of those? A few nods. Mine would be fear of heights. I hate that feeling you get if you're at a place that has a beautiful view, but if you get near the edge... It feels like I'm going to be sucked off. I'm one of those people that kind of would lay on my stomach like kind of the other week and have someone hold my feet while I crawl up to the edge. And the other one is fear of enclosed spaces. If you wanted to do me, do my head in, stick me in a little tunnel with a long way to the opening and no room to move. The thing about those, that list of 10, though, is they're not things that we face every day. There are things that we might face now and then or may never face. But the reality is there are lots of things that people face from time to time throughout their ordinary, everyday lives that can be threatening, unnerving, unwanted, unknown, out of their control, beyond their skill set or their wisdom to deal with. And those things can create feelings of anxiousness in us. That's just normal. That's what happens when things like that come our way unexpectedly. You know, there's one thing I hate more than most and that's that knot in your stomach you get when you're feeling anxious and it won't go away. Now, those sorts of things are common and universal. It doesn't matter who you are, where you live, You're going to face things like that throughout life. It just happens. So it's not surprising that the Bible actually deals with this issue of worry and anxiousness quite often throughout the Scriptures. 
It comes up time and time again. Often though not in long kind of pastoral comments or kind of there, there, but actually quite in quite kind of black and white statements sometimes, like this one from Paul in Philippians 4, chapter 6. Don't be anxious about anything. Really? What's your reaction when you hear those words? Don't be anxious about anything. If someone says to you, don't be anxious about anything, you know, I'd say try telling that to one of the ethnic minorities in Afghanistan at the moment. Or a young parent, two kids, they've just bought into the market. I went to an auction yesterday with my son and daughter. Uh, the place went for 200000 above listed price. They were one of those, maybe it was the person who bought that house and then they get to work on Saturday, uh, on Monday, and are told half the workforce is going to be made redundant next week and they could be one of them. When I read those words from Paul, and I've read them many times now over several decades, when I read them earlier in my Christian walk, I, I saw them as inspirational words, something to kind of reach for, but in reality I would never fully achieve. I might actually kind of find a way to worry less, but I would never be able to live without worry. But in my latter years as a follower of Jesus, I now know that what Paul said is true. Anyone can learn to live without worry, including me. Now, before I go on a bit further today, I just want to say that I'm not going to be talking today about the mental health issue per se of anxiety. That is something that's more complex and may need medical and professional help to deal with anxiety. But what I will say today may help in managing your anxiety. But really it's a word for all of us, whether the condition of anxiety is part of our life or not. Because I want to talk about this issue of worrying. Now Paul, who wrote those words, if anyone had a reason to worry, it was Paul. He had been in shipwrecks, he had been robbed on the road, he had been beaten up, he had been stoned once and people thought he was dead. He was on the hit list from some authorities that wanted him dead, even though he was still alive. And he was writing this letter to the church in Philippi from prison, knowing that he may not leave this prison alive. And yet he could write these words. Choose not to worry, even about the worst of situations. How could Paul write that with sincerity? Well, I believe Paul had learnt that worry was a choice. It was a learnt behaviour. And while circumstances can create anxious feelings, that's just our natural reaction when certain things come our way, turning that initial anxiousness into ongoing worry is a choice we have. You see, you can choose how you process what's before you, even if you can't control it or change it. You can choose to focus on some things and let go of the rest. You can choose not to worry. 
So why is it so important to talk about this? Why does it come up in the Bible? Why is it important to learn not to worry? Well, first of all, worrying doesn't change anything. Jesus said this statement. It's one of the most true things that, you know, uh, that Jesus said, though everything he said is true, so that doesn't make sense. But anyway, it's one of those things when you read it, you go, yeah, that's right. Jesus said, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to their life? The obvious answer is no. Worry is a waste of time and emotion and energy. And the time spent worrying doesn't change anything and it's time we will never get back again. Worrying is bad for your health. It can lead to greater anxiety. It's infectious. It can overflow and cause other people to start worrying and feel anxious. It impacts how we relate to other people and it can paralyse us from moving forward in constructive ways. So how can you be a person who chooses not to worry? Well, I think the first thing you need to do is recognise worry for what it is. Recognise your worrying for what it is. Corrie Ten Boone, a survivor of Auschwitz, who lost her father and sister in the prison camps, wrote this, Worry is a cycle of inefficient thoughts circling around a centre of fear. When I first read that phrase nearly 10 years ago, I was in the middle of burnout. And part of the package, not the only thing, was my ability to worry. And it hit me fair between the eyes. And I began to realise that this thinking that I did, that I thought was productive and useful and would help me deal with life, was exactly that. A lot of inefficient thoughts going nowhere, driven by fear. What I thought was reasonable pondering and wise stewardship of my mind as a leader was in fact ineffective and a waste of time. I began to realise all this thinking I did really was worrying, not thinking, and it doesn't help. In fact, it hinders. It doesn't change anything. It just uses up your emotional and mental energy so that you don't have that energy for other productive things. And that worry is actually fear-driven. It's not rational, even if it feels reasonable. And fear, friends, is the opposite of faith, the Bible says. When we act out of a worrying fear, we're taking our eyes off of God and we're actually taking God out of the equation of our life. Fear stops us trusting God, stops us obeying him, which leads to us not loving and serving others. It paralyzes us from doing the very things that Jesus calls us to do. Worry is a decision. It's a choice. We can teach ourselves to worry, which means we can teach ourselves not to. From somewhere in my late kind of primary school years as Uh, I got a bit older and was a bit more aware of the world that laid ahead. I began to think ahead about things and dreaming. But I also began to think about things like this. 
When I, would I get picked this Saturday or would I miss out from playing mini league because we had more kids than can fit into one team? Would I fit in when I got to high school, when kids from other towns joined the cohort from Middleton Primary School at Middleton High School? And then as I got older and I took on responsibilities in life, I began to think about the things that I needed to attend to, the things that I didn't have control over, but I thought about them to try and get control over them. What I thought as a good leader, I should think about all these things in this way and all the contingencies and the possibilities of how things might play out. So as I said to myself, I could be a good leader. But no one can control all the contingencies in their life. No one can control all the other people that are part of the equation. And I realised as I read that phrase from Corrie Tim Boone that my motivation actually wasn't about leadership. It was actually about driven by deep-seated fears of what if I fail? What if I get it wrong? What will people think of me? And I began to realise I had a choice. This was something I'd learnt to do. I didn't need to keep doing it. And so I began to choose when I saw those swirling thoughts going nowhere, arising, I would tell myself to stop. And initially, there are other things I did, but initially I would actually find something else to do or something else to think about so that my mind couldn't dwell on those things because your mind can actually only focus on one thing at a time. So I encourage you like I did with myself, call yourself out on your worry. Name your worry for what it is. The second thing that we can all do is connect to the one who never changes and is always there with us and for us, and that is Jesus. The one who is the same today, yesterday and always. And I love these words from Jesus when he was about to be arrested, tortured and crucified on a cross and leave his disciples distraught and they were going to face an unknown future in, in the short term without him. He shared these words with them. He said, I've told you all these things, the stuff that I've been doing with you, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Stuff will come your way that's going to make you feel anxious. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome everything that can steal your peace. You see, worry takes our eyes off of Jesus and puts them back on ourselves and our circumstances. You know, as I thought about this, I truly should be worried if I was the only one I could rely on. Be the same for you. I'd hate to have to rely just on you as much as I love you guys. And so get connected to Jesus. If you're someone who has not yet committed your life to Jesus, started a relationship with him, then do so because in the end you will never find that peace. You will never find the ability to step away from worrying and without Jesus at the centre of your life. He is the Prince of Peace. He's always there. He's always willing to help and he is always able to help you.
The third thing you can do is to confess your anxiety. Name your concern to Jesus and hand it over to him. Don't carry it on your own. Paul goes on in Philippians uh, from that verse that I've quoted already, do not be anxious about anything, and goes on and says, but in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Bring it to him. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A peace that you haven't worked out yourself, a peace that comes as a gift from God will descend upon you and reside within you. You know, maybe the most prayed prayer I've prayed over the decades is something like this. Lord, I can't control this. I'm scared, but I'm choosing right now to keep trusting you and I ask you to show me your way through because I don't have one. I prayed it when my wife was seriously ill 10 years ago. I prayed it when I knew I had a conversation coming up that I needed to have with someone that could go pear-shaped because I couldn't control how it might end up. I prayed it when I was sitting in a a dirt-floored church in Uganda feeling sick from probably some, something that I'd ate, ready to throw up and thinking I might faint if I stood up. Every one of those situations and many others in my life have created a sense of anxiousness when they arose, but I've learned to choose to pray that prayer, to tell Jesus what I'm afraid of. And to trust him, declare that I'm going to trust you rather than myself. You know, the simplest form of that prayer is just this, Jesus, help. I love these words in Hebrews chapter 13, quoting some of the Old Testament. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remind yourself that no one or no thing can separate you from Jesus' presence and his activity in your life. Nothing. Learn the promises of Jesus like those. There's thousands of them in the Bible. Take time to read them over the years. And you may not be able to memorise them all, but get the gist of what Jesus has promised you and remind yourselves. I often remind myself these days where there is no way God will make a way. I've seen him do it so many times now. And the last thing is concentrate on what you can control. There's so much we can't control, but there are things that you can control. Jesus put it this way in the message paraphrase in Matthew 6, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Park tomorrow, focus on today. You can control your attitude right now. You can give attention, choose what you give attention to right now. 
The decisions you make right now, you control. You control the next steps that you will take from now. There was a a time around nine, ten years ago when I was disempowered as a leader by things that were happening behind the scenes that I didn't see and couldn't control. But I was aware of the impact of that. And I chose, though I could not control what was happening over there, to continue to forgive, to pray for those who undermined me, to treat and speak of people with respect and dignity, to keep preaching my best, to keep leading diligently, especially those I was able to lead, and to seek wise counsel to see if I was blind to and therefore contributing to anything that was going on. You know, we can lose control over lots of things but we, cannot, we don't lose control over ourselves unless we give it away through worry. And we have this helper even there, the Holy Spirit, as Paul wrote in, one, in 2 Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity. That's not how God wants us to live, but a spirit of power, love and self-discipline. The Holy Spirit helps us Control those things that we can control in a helpful and fruitful way. Now remember as you think about this whole issue of worry in your life, that living without worry is an important part of our witness to the world. Anxious people create anxious people. Non-anxious people give confidence to those around them. They become a pillar of peace for those around them. When President Bush was told of the attacks on the Twin Towers on September 11th, he was sitting in a little undersized chair in a primary school classroom in Florida as part of an educational promotional tour. And one of his aides that travelled with him who was outside of the room got the information And he came in quietly and he came up to President Bush and bent over and whispered in his ear what had happened. And President, and then he left. And President Bush stayed in that chair for seven minutes and stayed engaged with what was happening in that classroom till the schedule of that activity was finished. And when asked why didn't he leave immediately as the president, His response was he knew, he said, I know that if I got up and rushed out with anxiety on my face, I would have created fear in those children. Like Jesus, we are called to be a non-anxious presence in an anxious world, to bear witness that there is one who has overcome all that would steal our peace. And we can be that person because Jesus, the Prince of Peace, stands with us. I want us to have a a moment of peace as we pray. And I want to give you the opportunity to put into practice what Paul said in Philippians 4. So wherever you are, you might like to find a comfortable way of sitting or standing You may want to close your eyes and just be still as I lead you through this prayer.
So let me ask you first, as you sit still, what are you worrying about? Is there something that worries you, that you're fearful of, anxious about? It may be for yourself, it may be for someone else. Name it. Tell Jesus what it is. Because he's there right with you now, ready to hear. And put your faith into words, even if they're words in your heart. And thank Jesus that you do not need to fear because he is with you and for you. Maybe remind yourself of times where he's been there for you in the past. And in this moment where for some of you, you know you can't control what's coming or manage it, make a decision and declare it that you will seek first his kingdom and his will no matter what unfolds. Now, in whatever way, symbolically or pictorially in your mind works for you, let go of your worry. If you like, put it in your hands. The thing that you are fearful of, the thing you desire to know or control but know you can't, and literally hand it over to Jesus and lay it in his hands. And as you step back and leave it with Jesus again, exercise your faith and declare, Jesus, I trust you with these things. I trust you, Jesus, with this situation. I trust you, Jesus, with these people. And ask him to show you his way through. And in your name, Lord Jesus, I speak your peace into each one who is sitting, standing with you right now, who's engaged in this prayer. May your peace, your supernatural peace, descend upon them and overwhelm them and fill them and flood them and guard their hearts and their minds now and always. Don't you stand with me now as we lead into our last song, Ever Be. On the back of that prayer that we sing our praises again, a declaration that we trust Jesus, that he is our peace. He is our helper. He is our saviour that he never leaves us nor forsakes us, that he is with us always.